In 2014, the Broaddus family purchased their dream home at 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. Derek and Maria Broaddus were excited to move in with their three children after the renovations were complete. But everything changed when Derek checked the mail at their new home and found a white card-shaped envelope with thick handwriting addressed to the new owner. Inside, the envelope contained a letter signed by the watcher, and the Broaddus family's dream home quickly became a nightmare. I'm Marina. With me, I have my two best friends, Colby and Laura, and this is Grim. Actually, Marina and her best friend Colby because Laura's noping the fuck out of here. <laughs> this is no. Nope. We have discussed this leading up to this episode. This is Laura's worst nightmare for someone to insert themselves into your life and just ruin it. So that's that's the crux of this episode. <laughs> let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. No, thank you. No. Nope. First, we have to give the gift that keeps on giving, and we have to shout out our two new patrons. Woo! <laughs> We're the woo, we're the woo girls over here for you woo. today, Marina. Samantha V, thank you so much. Yay! Woo. We love you, we love Samantha. You, Sam. And Carly C, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay! Yay. Thank you, Carly. Thank we you, love, love you. you. And guys, if you want us to yell out your name, I mean, I don't know, just check out our Patreon and search Grim, a true crime podcast. Okay. So for this episode, I got 99.9% of my information from an article that was published in The Cut in November 2018 titled The Watcher, The True Story of the Haunting of 657 Boulevard, which was written by Reeves Weidman. This article forms the basis for the new Netflix series, also called The Watcher, which I will tell you right now, I started watching it. I believe it's a 10-part series. I got through three episodes couldn't finish the rest, but it was so loosely based on mm. the original that it didn't. I didn't count it as research. It's like in the same way that the plot of The Strangers is based on reality. It was just a dream right. that somebody <laughs> right, had right. one time. They took tiny pieces and then took a lot of artistic license mm. to sell a okay. story. But So I don't know how it ends, but I, I will watch it eventually. I've been holding off watching it because same. I knew we... Huh, I haven't been watching The Watcher because I knew <laughs> that I was going to listen to The Watcher today. Um, so now after this, I can go watch it. Yes, you can. And hey, Gremlins, if you want to play a drinking game, just take a shot every time one of us says watch in this episode. There you go. I'm just kidding. Don't You'd do be that. be hammered by yeah. the end of it. <laughs> For your safety, don't do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So this story takes place in Westfield, New Jersey, so I want to give you some information about the town and the area. Westfield is an affluent suburban town that was 99th on Bloomberg's list of the 100 wealthiest towns in the U.S. in 2018 and was ranked the 30th safest town in America in 2014 by Neighborhood Scout. And what year did all of this happen? 2014. Oh, so. Not so safe after all. Nope. No. It's only about an hour drive from New York City, so it offers residents who work in the city suburban living with excellent school systems and a manageable commute. The Westfield Town website includes a description that says, quote, The Victorian and colonial-style homes that reflect Westfield's rich historical character complement the broad, tree-lined streets of this small, picturesque community. 
Do you think they had a monocle on while they read that? They did. <laughs> they <laughs> did. Quiet, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, Indubitably. <laughs> I was going to say indubitably. <laughs> Love that word. Great word. So basically picture Pleasantville and the stereotypical, no one even locks their doors here kind mm-hmm. of town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like many of our stories yes. begin. <laughs> yes. Because of this, the real estate market was competitive and there were often bidding wars on the houses. Side note, I don't care if I'm the only person living in a house on an island. I'm locking my doors and windows. Okay, thank you. Yeah, same. Mm, uh, we didn't grow, We didn't lock our doors or windows when I was growing up. No, see, you could have been no. an episode of Grimm. But like, I had my dad. Like, I lived yeah. with my father who I would never challenge physically in no. any way, shape, or form. No. So I felt good about existing in a house where things weren't locked. Not not in my life currently. I'm not doing that. Everything is locked. Yeah, mm. agreed. Agreed now, but I can picture it because we didn't. No, I need everything locked. Okay, thank you. <laughs> the cattle would come break into our houses when the doors were unlocked. <laughs> so now that you have an idea of the town, let's talk about what happened in Westfield to the Broadest family. And what is the name Broadest? Broadest. B-R-O-A-D-D-U-S. Okay. Broadest. Thank you. On June 6, 2014, Derek and Maria Broadus closed on their dream home at 657 Boulevard in Westfield, which they purchased for a whopping $1,355,657. That's a weird Ooh. number to purchase a home at. Yeah, I actually don't know how they came up with that random number. <laughs> Oddly specific. Unless that's like taxes and like escrow and all that. I but don't I don't think Why it's normally included yeah. in yeah. the figure. <laughs> unless it was one of those like I don't know. It's their six. Oh, six fifty seven is there is that number of the house. Oh, that's cute. so maybe okay. they went you know one three fifty five to go above asking okay. and yeah. then the oh, number of the house. I bet just you that's to exactly to, yeah, what it was. Just to mm-hmm. try Thank to you. make themselves stand okay. out. Yeah. That was going to tickle my brain. Thank you. You're welcome. Did I scratch it? Did I yeah. scratch the tickle? <laughs> I guess <laughs> she got it. <laughs> it's it's no longer a sensation. Thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> The home was built in 1905 and had six bedrooms, four baths, and was about 3,900 square feet. Sounds nice. Yes. Maria grew up in Westfield, and 657 Boulevard was just a few blocks from her childhood home. Derek grew up in Maine, and it wouldn't be an episode of Grimm without referencing an insurance company. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) He worked his way up the ladder to senior vice president at an insurance company in Manhattan. So I think it's safe to say he was probably making pretty good money at that job to afford the house. Derek had just turned 40, and the family was excited to move in with their three children, who were 5, 8, and 10 at the time. The Broadduses introduced themselves to neighbors while the kids ran around in the backyard with other children from the neighborhood picturesque Mm -hmm. the american dream sounds like it i'm also impressed that he was a senior vice president at 40 yeah that's seriously impressive worked his way up quickly Mm. the broadduses didn't move into the home right away before moving in they wanted to do some renovations and touch-ups to make the home their own as one does with all their extra money yeah above and beyond that yep yeah Mm -hmm. just about a hundred thousand dollars worth of renovations no big deal because i mean no way you buy a $1.4 million house that's move-in ready. That's no, never. Excellent point. I mean, yeah. you need to upgrade. Totally. Right. Spare change. <laughs> yes. Drop in the bucket. Exactly. Three days after the family closed on the home, Derek was there alone painting. When he finished around 10 o'clock, he went out to check the mail. He found a few bills and a white card-shaped envelope with thick handwriting addressed to the new owner with no return address. Derek opened it and read the letter inside. I have a question. When you say address to the new owner, did it literally say to the new owner or did it say their name? 
I believe at this point it said to the new owner. Oh, that's even creepier for some reason. You probably think at first like, oh, somebody's welcoming yeah. me to the neighborhood. They're kind of a little bit creepy, but like they don't want to get right. all up in your business, knock on your door. So it's just the welcoming committee, right? Right. And it starts out fine. Okay. No. It Are you ready, Laura? No. Okay. Here we go. The letter read, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. The letter identified the Broadus's Honda minivan and continued. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. I asked the woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. This letter won't be the last. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. The person signed their name in a cursive font. The Watcher. Hi, Mom. I need you to come pick me up. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. So this is... This is absurd. This feels like Dracula or some like vampire-esque creature is literally watching this property waiting for the blood of the innocent to file on in. And he's like, I watched this property just like my forefathers before me and the people that will come after me. Okay, so now I need to know what happened in this house and what is he... he, I'm just assuming he. I got a very masculine feeling from it. Yep, right. What what is in the walls? What's there? Did you ever see the movie The Haunting? Mm -hmm. That is... It's like Twilight and The Haunting had a baby. (laughs) I just want to say <sighs> one of the parts I said, the letter identified the Broadus's Honda minivan. These letters have never been released in full. Oh. So the cut was the first article that released this information as far as I know. So they were shown portions of the letters, portions of the letters were oh. um, published. And then they sort of just mentioned other pieces okay. that were not quoted. Okay. So these letters have never been published. Oh. I would, I, in all seriousness, I would immediately call the police. I don't know what I would do. I, I would definitely look around. Like I do one of those TV moments, like when A used to text the girls on Pretty Little Liars, where yes. everybody just like looks around all suspicious, like the watcher's going to be around somewhere in my vision. I don't know if I'd go right to the cops. I, I, I could be like, oh, just some kids like messing around with us. Ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> I would immediately call the police. Not like 911, just the local <laughs> police department. I believe he read this at the mailbox outside in the dark at 10 mm. o'clock at night. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Laura was mid sip of wine and panicked. I just, <laughs> I just remembered that because I, I have a quiet, what I think is a safe neighborhood, and I definitely, I have no problem. I'll get trash barrels at night. I yep. always go out, and it's mm. the hair on your neck reading this letter would just immediately rise up. So Derek freaked and ran inside the house. He shut off all of the lights so that no one could see him inside, which I guess it makes sense to do that, but I would do the opposite and turn on every single light in the house. Uh, No, I agree with him because they just moved in, so they probably don't have a lot of blinds and all that. And the last thing I want, especially if someone has literally said they're outside of my house potentially watching, I would have done the same thing. That or have all the lights on and crawl. I, (laughs) I, I would turn on all the lights and assume the fetal position in the corner. I think mm-hmm. that would be my go-to. I, I would make a weapon. I would construct <laughs> a weapon of some sort from the things that I had unpacked in my new home. We are very different, and I hope if we're ever in a sketchy situation that we are together. Because yes. we I complete each same. other. Yes. We will save you. You will save us. Yep. Because I'll know? have called the police, but Colby will keep us alive until they until get there. Until they get here. I don't know that I'll keep myself alive, but I'll keep you guys alive. That, oh, I believe that. It's a yes. true friend. Yep. So Derek did call the police. He called the Westfield Police Department, who sent an officer to the house. The officer read the letter and said, and I quote, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Amen, brother. Yeah. The officer asked Derek whether he had any enemies, which he said he didn't. Before leaving, the officer told Derek to move a piece of construction equipment off the back porch so that it couldn't be used to break a window. Because there probably weren't dozens of other things around that could also (laughs) break a window. At that time, Maria and the kids were at their other home in Westfield, and Derek rushed home to check on them and to tell Maria about the letter. Derek told Maria, and that same night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to the former owners of the home, John and Andrea Woods, to ask them about the watcher and whether they knew anything about him or her. Andrea responded the next day and told them that she had received a letter just days before moving out. She said the letter mentioned the Watcher's family observing the house over the years, but the Woodses had never received a letter like that in the 23 years that they lived there, so they just thought it was odd and threw it away. The Woods told the Broadduses that they always felt safe in the home and that they rarely locked their doors. Again, so cliche. That same day, the Woodses went with Maria to the police station to discuss the letter. They met with Detective Leonard Lugo. Detective Lugo told Maria not to tell anyone, especially her neighbors, about the letters, because now the neighbors were all suspects. The letter had been processed in Kearney, which was the distribution center in northern New Jersey, so that gave no indication of who it could be. But what made the letter even weirder is that it was postmarked June 4th, before the sale of 657 Boulevard was made public. The Woodses never put a for sale sign on their lawn, so the overall sale of the house was pretty quiet. And contractors had not shown up at the house until June 3rd, so someone had to have actually been watching the house closely for that kind of timing with the letter and to be able to include those types of details about the house. After receiving that first letter, the Broadduses were nervous and paranoid, to say the least. Derek canceled a work trip to stay with his family, and Maria would panic if the kids were out of her sight at their new home. Which sucks. Yeah. Yes. Their pure joy over this new home turned to despair so quickly. I I would have, I know it's just a letter, but I would immediately now not feel safe in my home that I just purchased. And I, I don't know that I could stay. Of course, because if this happened in a house that you've lived in for 23 years and you got a weird letter and it was a one-off or you're like, fine, they haven't even moved into this house now and they get this sketchy ass letter. And it mentions their kids, which is an immediate 
like it's Not bad cool. enough exactly a bad enough to scare them but as soon as it mentioned her kids i'm sure she was Oh, that's not, awful. Not only does it mention the right. children, it mentions their blood okay, and this point. person's yeah. lust Excellent for point. it. Excellent point. Yeah. Mm, young blood. Mm. Mm-hmm. I do have one more question that I'll let you go on. Yes. Do we believe the Woods family that this was really, they only got one letter in the 23 years or like, do we know? Is that legit? I think we believe them. Okay. There's no way to confirm it, but I, I do believe them. Mm. Why were the watchers silent for so long? Mm. Or is it just a some someone's off his rocker and oh, is making everything up and watching it for decades yeah. that part that part i believed was true <laughs> i just took that at face value <laughs> yeah we'll get there we'll of get course there. this goes back 400 I'd years like to hear the theories develop as we go on so despite the concern that the watcher could be one of their neighbors the broadises agreed to give one of their new neighbors a tour of the house to see the renovations they were doing interesting Wait. choice i mean you don't want to make them mad no, right. no. But the the watcher said, "Tisk tisk, not a good, not a good idea. Don't do the renovations." Mm, true. So definitely show everybody the renovations. Definitely show them. That would be my go-to move. During the tour, one of the neighbors said, "It'll be good to have some young blood in the neighborhood," and Derek fr- froze up. I feel like that's a pretty common phrase, yeah. um, but just it must have made his blood run cold oh, after sure. reading yeah. that letter and being sketched out about your neighbors and having them in there. I think about if I have to go downstairs in my house at night, that feeling that I get when I'm walking back up the stairs, like somebody is yes. watching me and you walk a little bit faster mm-hmm. like that, but all the time. Yeah. That's how it was in um, my dad's basement where I grew up. I didn't grow up in the basement. <laughs> let, me, let me state that again. In my dad's house that I grew up in, the basement is unfinished and it was always, it's not even a full set of stairs to where it's finished and you can shut the door, but the light switch is in the basement. No. And every single time, I mean, to this day, I'm sure if I had to go get something, I would do the same. I would wrap because it's like a, um, split level so you could like get up the stairs and i would reach my hand around close the door shut the light like shut the light off close the door and run up <laughs> yes and it's that's exactly what it makes me think of feeling like Ugh. somebody is watching you yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> i hate it i hate it a few days after that first letter the broadises went to a neighborhood barbecue basically to do recon and look for clues which is also why they probably let that other neighbor tour the house but based upon the Broadus' account of that picnic, it doesn't sound like they blended in very well. Maria said she kept screaming at her kids to stay close and that the neighbors must have thought they were all crazy. Mm. Yep. But Derek got to talking with a neighbor who brought up the Langford family, which was a family that lived next door to the Broadus's. Peggy Langford, the mother, was 90 and lived with a few of her adult children all in their 60s, including Abby Langford and Michael Langford. The family was described as odd but harmless. Michael Langford was described by the neighbor as a Boo Radley character, which for those who don't know, Boo Radley was a protagonist in the book To Kill a Mockingbird, and he was a loner who rarely left his house. Mm. Derek thought, aha, Mm. the Langford family had lived in the neighborhood since the 1960s. Derek looked into the family and found that the father, Richard Langford, had died 12 years earlier, which would make sense Mm. that the current watcher took over for his father after several decades. And Michael was known for being a little out there. He had been diagnosed with schizophrenia and he would spook the neighbors when he walked through their backyards and he would peek in their windows to see their houses and their renovations. Um, okay. Yeah. Check, 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 Uncool. check. Sketchy. Super sketchy. Yes. But fits the letter. That's the well. letter. Yeah. So Derek told Detective Lugo about Michael Langford and Detective Lugo said he already knew about the family. 
Michael was brought in for an interview with the police, but he denied knowing anything about the letters. Lugo said that some of what he was saying fit, quote, the narrative Mm -hmm. from the letters, but they really had no hard evidence and absent a confession, they were stuck. Mm -hmm. I have to give the police credit for taking this seriously and like bringing people in and interviewing and not just saying like, oh, it's probably probably just a kid or probably just someone that it sounds like they actually went and interviewed and investigated it. So that's good. A little bit. They could have done. They could have done more. Yeah. But they they took it seriously enough to at least bring someone in for an interview. They took it more seriously than in the case you brought to us for Mm -hmm. the gremlin suggestions with um, the horse farm and the shooting. Exactly. Right. That That, was just dismissed. That's kind of where my mind is at. Yeah. Right. The police told the Broadduses that nothing will happen. Probably. And probably just wasn't good enough for Derek. Two weeks after they got the first letter... The second letter showed up and Maria found it in the mail when she stopped by to look at some paint samples. Maria immediately called the police. The second letter said, welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster's a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. The watcher misspelled the Broaddus' name in the letter and also named their three children by birth order. Mm. The letter went on. I am pleased to know your names now and the names of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. The letter asked about one of their children who the watcher had seen using an easel on their sun porch and said, is she the artist in the family? It continued. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. No, I, I can't. This is my so my worst nightmare. I'm sorry. I know you're not done. I, I can't. It's so scary. <laughs> Laura is squirming over That's there in her also, seat. Also, Colby keeps looking out the window behind me. Okay, in my defense, there was a car that was literally <laughs> pulled over across the street for a while, and I was watching them. <laughs> oh, they're watching us. Yes, everybody's watching everyone. <laughs> I always feel like somebody's watching me. We'll be on tour. And I have no privacy. <laughs> the watcher continued. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Braddis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. I have a theory. Okay. The comment about the doors and windows allow me to watch got me because I wonder, this is 2014, security system. Is this someone who has managed to hack into their security system? They didn't have a security system when they first moved in. Damn it. 
oh, that was so creative. Because I was like, that would explain <laughs> why. Because it was probably the same system that the woods had. <sighs> I thought I knew. That's creepy enough also. I don't want to think about that either. But now I'm wondering, though... I'm going logical. I'm I'm going nothing about the actual content. Did the other family list the house after they got the letter from the watcher? Like I know oh. the Woods family admitted that they received one letter and they kind of like brushed it off and said it wasn't much. It was the only one they got in 23 years. But did they have it? Like what was the content of that letter? Was it the watcher basically being like, you got to get out of here because I'm watching you, mm. blah, blah, blah. My understanding is that they got the letter a few days before they moved out. Like the house was sold. It was sold already. And oh. the crux of the letter was, thank you for taking such good care of the house. Oh, actually, also, that would creep me out less. Like it, yeah. it would still be right. creepy, but that would be like, okay, that's freaking weird. But it's not threatening my children and, you know, the blood and all that. I would think it was super weird, but honestly, sometimes I get weird typewritten letters from like lawn maintenance companies and I, you open them, you look at them real quick and then you throw them away. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. they're meant to look like they're handwritten or individualized to you, but they're True. just like mass produced. So you just, you're like, what is this? And you throw it away. So I feel like that's what happened. Mm, okay. Mm. That, that's what I think anyways. So the watcher was much happier with how the past family took care of this house. Right. Maybe that's why they were silent. Maybe. Mm. Oh, maybe. So the watcher is bringing in the kids hard on this new letter. Yeah. And that would be the end of it for me. Uh-huh. Uh, not like I would have considered staying after the first letter anyways. But the creepiest part of this letter to me is that the watcher refers to the daughter using that easel on the sun porch. That porch is not visible from the street. It is only visible if you are standing in their backyard or the side of their house on the side where the Langfords lived. Mm-mm. Which is where Boo Radley is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> the Broadduses decided that they would not bring the children to the house anymore and questioned whether they should even move in. Uh-huh. Again, I would have noped the fuck right out of there uh-huh. after letter number one, but I mean, that's me. I also probably haven't bought a 1.3 million dollar house so you know it's hard to know how invested i would be in that property (laughs) yeah no i i would sell it immediately yes after they got that second letter derek told police that if they didn't figure this out they were going to have another case on their hands derek said this person attacked my family and where i'm from if you do that you get your ass beat So the Broadduses decided to take measures into their own hands because they weren't getting anywhere with the police. And by that, I mean Derek kind of lost it. He set up webcams and would crouch in the dark under windows to try to catch someone watching the house. He developed a map of the neighborhood and had the houses marked with sight lines and the proximity to overhear conversations. And he found only a few houses fit the bill. The Broadduses also hired a PI who did background checks on the Langfords with nothing noteworthy. The PI also staked out the neighborhood, trying to catch the watcher watching like Hmm. Derek, but no such luck. That was pretty smart of Derek, though, to like, because that's the detail. Obviously, you could look on Google Maps or something, but to actually see where you could have sight lines to things Mm -hmm. and then overhearing, because I forget what part that in one of the letters that they definitely had to have heard something. They've heard the names and also they heard Broadus, but it was spelled wrong. So that indicates to me that they heard the name, but didn't know how to spell it. Yep. They also hired former FBI agent Robert Lenahan. Robert Lenahan reviewed the letters and performed a threat assessment. He noted several things in the letters that he considered to be old-fashioned. The letters were addressed to M slash M Braddis, and I think it was mm. the second letter because I think the first letter was yep. addressed to the new owner. 
The salutations included the day's weather, such as sunny and cool for a summer day. And the sentences had two spaces between them, which I hate that. Lenahan said, based upon the wording, the letters suggested that they were written by a, quote, voracious reader. And the lack of profanity, despite the level of anger, suggested that the writer was, quote, less macho. <laughs> Lenahan did not think that the watcher would necessarily act on any threats, but the typos and content of the letters suggested that the watcher could be erratic. Mm. The letters had a seething anger directed towards the wealthy, and the watcher seemed to be upset that new money was moving into the town. And again, keep in mind that the full letters have never been released to the public. Yep. So these like sunny salutations, like we oh, don't yeah. have that information. So they have more information than we do. On July 28th, 2014, several weeks after the second letter, the family received a third letter. Letter three said, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. The house is crying from all of the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old, and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died, and now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. I, are we sure it's not the schizophrenic neighbor? Because it, I just, I, so we're not watching a movie. Like this is real life. Mm hmm. And if it were a movie, I'd be like, oh, it's going to be the spirits, you know, <laughs> but it's, it is just someone who's lost their mind or, or temporarily misplaced it. And I just, I don't know. It, I have no other thoughts. It's okay. So listening to letter number three, I feel less threatened as the homeowner. I feel like this person is going through some shit right now. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. I am wondering why they feel that the house... So they, they obviously view the house as an entity mm -hmm. and that's a living thing. And why would the house be unhappy with them? Because yeah. you, the resident, left. That's It's almost like the house charges the watcher with the responsibility of having youth. I, well, and I also thought I was half kidding about are we sure it's not the neighbor? Because if the new residents have been... Bringing, you know, they got the letter and they went to the police and now the police have interviewed him. What is his name? Sorry. Michael Langford. Michael. They went and interviewed Michael. Maybe that's like he's feeling attacked or threatened from that. Oh. And like maybe he's schizophrenic, by the way. So how does an interview work? <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Like I mean, he how could be they... medicated. I'm not well, sure. That's, okay, that's fair. It is 2014. But I'm picturing for some reason this is set in my head in like 
the 1950s. 1950s. Yeah. No, even earlier. Yeah. <laughs> he just had shock yeah. therapy and he went back to <laughs> Boulevard. <Bulbotomy. laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, seriously, it's, I don't, I'm not sure how reliable his interview was. Maybe he doesn't, genuinely doesn't know and was telling the truth in there. So I, I'm still suspecting Michael. I have one more thought too. It almost sounds like this person or their family legitimately was a caretaker for the house mm. in some way, shape or form. Like, it's a, it seems like it's an affluent area that, that doesn't seem to be new. Maybe like they're the child of the former groundskeeper or housekeeper or oh, yeah. somebody that lived there. Because I'm trying to think like, are they being literal that they ran through the halls of this house right. as a child? Right. right. So what would put them inside of there? And, and where my brain is going is a parent worked at this house. Probably the father because mm-hmm. they mentioned a father before me watching. Do we know if they, and if you'll talk about this later, you can ignore me, but do we know if the woods ever had Michael over the house? I don't know. Because but, it could be as simple as like, he's the neighbor, the neighbor kid. He came over for, I don't know, the yeah. dad came over to talk and right. he's running around the house and he knows the layout of the house and maybe he just really liked how the house looked. I would happen to agree actually. Right. But, um, so I, I still have my sights pegged on him. To Colby's point, uh, the FBI, the former FBI agent, Robert Lenahan, he recommended looking into former housekeepers mm. or their descendants <laughs> yes. uh, because maybe the watcher was jealous that he or she couldn't afford mm. 657 mm-hmm. Boulevard. Uh, Andrea Woods thought it must be someone already living in the neighborhood because the letter referenced the contractors and the broadest mm-hmm. children. The Broadduses also wondered whether it could be someone that was jealous who had put in an offer for the house mm. and didn't get it. Mm. Uh, but that didn't pan out because there were two other bidders and one of them backed out after a bad diagnosis and the other bidder had already found a new home. Hmm. So that didn't pan out. Hmm. Yeah. Michael's just like, he's already in backyards, already looking in windows. I, I, it just, you know, so the, Broaddus- the simplest solution, right? The Broadduses agreed with you. Okay. They still felt like it was the Langfords. And in an effort to smoke them out, the police and the Broadduses had an idea that they hoped would instigate a response from the Watcher. The Broadduses sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house. Oh, brilliant. The Langfords did not respond in any way. Detective Lugo brought Michael Langford in for another interview, but again, it went nowhere. And Michael's sister, Abby, actually accused the police of harassing their family at that point. (laughs) It's hard. I get it. It's hard because he is the most likely suspect, but just because that's the case, you can't just keep asking him. Right. If you don't have the information, you know. The Broadduses actually hired a lawyer who met with several of the Langfords, who also had an attorney. The Langfords were shown the letters and photos that showed their house was one of only a few that could have a vantage point of the easel at which the Broadduses' daughter was painting. The Langfords insisted that Michael was innocent. Several neighbors had nice things to say about him as well, noting that he would go out of his way to get people their newspapers in the morning. Michael was a dead end based on the information that they had. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Michael. Mm. One of the painters that worked for the Broadduses noticed that the neighbors in the back of the house had lawn chairs close to the Broadduses property pointed at their house. I don't think anybody even ever really looked into them. Interesting. Although I would ask, like, is the Broadduses house south of theirs? Maybe they just wanted good sun. The Possible. southern sky. I don't know. Possible. The Broadduses put in an alarm system. 
which went off on a few occasions. Derek would go to the house and bring a knife with him. He also priced out German shepherds and posted for any military veterans who would be willing to work outside every day. Guys, I'm team Derek hardcore right now. Yeah. Derek and I are cut from the same cloth. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. Colby's like, I have these German shepherds to protect I'm like, my I have my ways to procure these for you. Go on, Derek. <laughs> Colby's like, I will sit outside. <laughs> Given the veiled threats, the Broadduses never moved into the house. But they'd also sold the house that they were previously living in in Westfield, so they had to move into Maria's parents' house. They had to continue to pay the mortgage and the taxes on 657 Boulevard in the meantime. They'd applied for an exemption from the town, but their request was denied. Hmm. By the end of 2014, the police investigation had stalled. Derek showed the letters to his priest who agreed to bless the house, which couldn't hurt, but doesn't really help against Hmm. human tormentors. Maria had to see a therapist for PTSD, and Derek was a depressed wreck. They Mm. needed to take medications to fall asleep at night. And six months after purchasing the house and receiving the first letter, the Broadduses decided to sell the home. On February 21st, 2015, the Broadduses listed the house for $100,000 more than they had paid to reflect the renovations that they did. But neighbors questioned whether they had actually put that much work in because they apparently hadn't pulled any permits with the town. And it didn't help the sale process that neighbors were gossiping as to why the house sat empty. There were rumors flying around about a stalker or a sexual predator. Ooh. Oh, that's right. Because the neighbors don't know other than uh, Michael's family. The, the neighbors don't know Correct. why. Oh, right. Okay. Because it was kept a All secret. Right. All right. The Broadduses didn't want a new buyer to be blindsided like they were. So they offered a partial disclosure about the watcher for interested buyers and said they would show the full letters to anyone whose offer was accepted. They got a few lowball offers, and they weren't ready to take a financial hit on the house. On March 17, 2015, the Broadduses dropped the price to what they bought it for. They dropped it another $45,000 on April 7th. They dropped it to $1.25 million on May 14th, before removing the listing in mid-June. The agent told them that they were being too forthcoming about the letters, but the Broadduses insisted that it was the right thing to do. That got Derek and Maria thinking about what they would have done had the Woods disclosed the Watcher letter to them. They felt that they should have, as the name The Watcher was ominous enough on its own, even if the letter to the Mm. Woods hadn't been. On June 2nd, 2015, the Broadduses filed a lawsuit against the Woodses for fraud, arguing that they maliciously withheld information to avoid losing the sale. Yikes. Mm. They argued that the Woodses should have disclosed the letter, and the Broadduses hoped to reach a quiet settlement. I, I have a hard time with this because if you're the Woods family, you're like, God, sorry, I just threw out this weird letter. But and and again, it's not I don't think their letter was quite as weird as the others. Right. Um, but on the same token, I, I'm sure that the Broadduses just felt completely backed up against a wall like they're going to lose a ton of money on this house. It's and what else are you going to do? And they were probably just trying to recoup that. But yep. I don't know that it was the Woods that needed to pay for that. Um, just really unfortunate. Correct. Same, especially only if they got one letter, like they said. Right, right. Because I, I agree, it would have been an overreaction for them to share the one letter. Right. It just seems like a weird neighbor almost saying goodbye to them based on how friendly right. you said the content of it was. Yeah. Also not a required disclosure in a real estate sale. Right. And with the Broadduses prior to receiving any letters, would they have taken it? They probably still would have gone through the sale. Because there's nothing yeah. threatening in it. Yeah, exactly. they'd be like, that's weird. Yeah. So the story did not stay quiet. A local report found the complaint, which contained snippets from the Watcher's letters, and the story went viral. 
People flocked to the area of 657 Boulevard, and the Broadduses got 300-plus media requests. They declined all of them to spare their kids, who still did not know about the Watcher. The Broadduses left Westfield to stay with friends, but bad vibes seemed to follow the family. Maria's grandfather had a heart attack, and the friend they were staying with had a grand mal seizure. Oh. This is likely a huge coincidence, but I thought about, like, what if something paranormal was involved? Basically, a man or a woman being tormented by a negative entity that is attached to this house, and they're writing letters for it. And bad things are happening to the Broadus family as they try to get rid of the house. It would make a great movie. It would. Again, I, I, mm-hmm. that was just my thought when, I know. you know, they're leaving Westfield and now terrible things are they're happening following. to their family. So it's like, that's usually paranormal. And then I was thinking about the person saying like, the house has turned on me. Like, yeah. what yeah. have you done? And that's like someone that's being tormented by something. But that's like, those are basically quotes from every horror movie you've ever seen. So that's why, right. again, if I were watching a movie, I would be really into it and think it was something that would be my first thought too. But because this is real life, I think it's someone who has seen a lot of those movies and is Probably. like, you know, Probably. living that fantasy in, in his or her mind. What does the watcher think of the house being for sale for so long? Were they just quiet mm. the whole time? Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. No, no letters. The town was a little on edge, I think mostly because they didn't want anything to affect their property values. The mayor addressed the town and said that the police had been conducting an exhaustive investigation, but neighbors questioned that since most of them had never even been approached by the police. So that's to your point, Laura. Yeah. They did do interviews, but they did not canvas the neighborhood right in the beginning. True. Amid criticism, the Westfield police asked Baron Chambliss, a local detective, to look into the case for anything that had been missed. Chambliss noticed that the police had taken a DNA sample from one of the envelopes, which had shown the presence of female DNA. I was wondering about that, because the first letter you open, your hands are all over it, of right. course. But the second and third letter, like I'm thinking of, um, oh shoot. Miss Congeniality? No. Oh. Um zodiac oh, i knew you were gonna say the zodiac which is another one of my favorites um but where you just don't want to touch anything at all you know put it in a plastic bag so i'm i am a little surprised that they didn't preserve or maybe they did but um that that wasn't something that came up earlier right so chambliss questioned if abby langford was somehow involved remind it, me is that the mother the sister michael's mother? sister, sister. Okay. michael's sister and does she have any inkling of of uh schizophrenia Not schizophrenia, but Abby was a local real estate agent, so she would have had motive if she was angry that they hadn't used her to list the property. Oh. In addition to being a real estate agent, she also worked at a local Lord & Taylor. So Shambliss contacted one of the security guards who took a water bottle from Abby, and it was tested, but the DNA didn't match. Hmm. Another dead end. It's Hmm. not that family. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know, because I can just imagine, like, maybe Abby knew that the house was for sale and knew where it was going because she has access to more records or something and mentioned it, like, completely innocently mentioned it to Michael or something, and it's just in his brain knocking around and then ends up in a letter. Laura's really stuck on Michael. I'm really stuck because I don't see any other ways, and I, I do tend to believe, even though I get wrapped up in the story, that the simplest, most obvious explanation is often it. Is then that again, Occam's razor? 
Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. I think I actually quoted that in a... I had to look it up before, um, but I had quoted it in a previous episode. I think you did. Mm-hmm. Listen, learn. <laughs> you did learn. <laughs> so police were back to square one. The Broadduses continued their own investigation. They brought the envelopes around the neighborhood to see if anyone could recognize the handwriting. They hired a forensic linguist to analyze the letters against any works published on the internet. Derek even hired someone to hack into neighbors' Wi-Fi to check for incriminating documents, but they ultimately didn't go through with that because it was super illegal yeah. and, <laughs> and was also harder than they thought. So I think okay. that was really the, the thing that kept them from doing it. Not the legality, the difficulty. No. <laughs> um, I am still, I'm with Colby though, Team Derek. I love Derek right now. Amazing. Yeah. He's yep. like, I'm on this. I yep. got this. <laughs> the police got a DNA sample from Andrea Woods and questioned her 21-year-old son, but again, nothing panned out. Had the police taken the situation more seriously at the start, and had they conducted a more thorough investigation, they would have learned that there was another family on Boulevard at number 633 that also got a letter from the watcher about the same time as the Broadduses got their first letter. The parents had lived in the house for years, and their kids were grown, so they just threw the letter away. Huh. 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 Bummer, right? So we don't know what was in the letter. Nope. Ooh. Nope. Though the fact that they said that they lived in the house for years and the kids were grown, I feel like mm. it might have been something similar to the letter that the Broadduses got. But again, that brings me back to this is just someone that is embodying a horror movie because it's clearly nothing to do with the actual house. It's just they're doing this to, I don't know, contact people and scare them. I don't know what the motive is. but Ruin their life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One night, when the police had the house staked out, a car stopped in front of the house for a suspiciously long time. Detective Chambliss took down the vehicle's information and traced it to a woman from a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block as 657 Boulevard. The girlfriend said that her boyfriend liked to play some dark video games, and one of them had a character called The Watcher. The boyfriend agreed to speak to the police, but no-showed on two occasions. Mm -mm. With so little to go on... It was another dead end. What? What? Wow. They had nothing to go on. Oh, man. They can't bring him in. They have literally nothing to connect him at all. Now, the neighbors had a different theory as to who could have sent the letters. Tell me. Tell me who it is. <laughs> the neighbors were suspicious that the Broadduses sent the letters to themselves. Hmm. The neighbors theorized that the Broadduses either had buyer's remorse and wanted to back out of the deal, that they were setting up some kind of insurance fraud, or that they were trying to set themselves up for a movie deal. Regarding that last one, Netflix has bought the story and recently released the miniseries titled The Watcher. But prior to that, the Broadduses had received offers that they turned down, and they even sent a a cease and desist letter to Lifetime after Lifetime released a movie called The Watcher. Mm. Yeah, I I don't know. I I feel that after the reaction of the neighbors when they sold the house or were trying to sell the house, I feel like they're just the outliers in the neighborhood in there. It's the neighborhood is against them. So I'm not sure I agree with that theory. I just don't know why the Broadduses, if they were doing it to themselves and then they wanted to back out of the deal, why would they disclose the letters to all these new buyers who are then backing out of the sale? Right. Yeah. And I was going to say, oh, well, the Woods got a letter, but yeah, duh, the Broadduses knew that they were buying the house. So I guess they could have sent it. 
Interesting. Okay. All right. I haven't completely written it off, but okay. There's more. It'd be a stretch. It would just be yeah. a big stretch. And to your point, it doesn't make sense why they would disclose the letters to the future buyers. Right. Because then if they're trying to make their money back anyways, You're if not they're doing money. it for the movie deal, it's another way to, but that again, that seems like a stretch. There's no guarantee. So you're right. just throwing right. good money after bad. Right. To try to what gamble on a movie deal. Like yeah, and he's a, an SVP. He doesn't need to rely right. on a movie deal. Right. No. Right. Can you remind me, was it when you said it was female DNA on the envelope or the letter? It's unclear where it came from. I assume that it came from somewhere that wouldn't have been touched. So either where you lick the envelope or Mm. inside the letter, Mm -hmm. because if not, if it's handled by the post office, there's going to be DNA all over it. Well, I was more thinking if, um, and I'm, I will say I went from about 99% thinking it was Michael to I'm about 87% right now. But if he has letters and everything around the house, someone else could could have touched it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. So again, going to the neighbor's theory that it was the Broadus family, they noted that the Broadus family went from a $315,000 house to a $1.3 million house over the course of a decade. They apparently had 12 mortgages over 10 years, uh, but they had refinanced the mortgages several times. So that's okay. why. Uh, So the neighbors were questioning why the Broadus family had overstretched their finances. This is not sketchy to me. No. Because Derek was climbing the ladder at an insurance company. So rather than wait for his final resting place, they upgraded houses as they could with salary increases. I mean... And they didn't move 12 times. They got 12 mortgages. So they probably just refinanced. They probably refinanced a bunch, which is not... I mean, it costs money to refinance, but I don't don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's that weird. Maybe the rates improved and they just wanted to keep getting a better rate instead of wasting money on interest. The neighbors also questioned the renovations. They were wondering why you would continue to renovate a a house that you aren't going to move into. Um, Have you ever renovated anything? You can't like half do it. That's true. You have to finish it. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Especially if you're going to resell it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm saying I feel like the neighbors are just kind of out to get them and judgy well the neighbors are pissed because they are afraid that they're gonna drive down their property values and they're throwing a grenade into their safe don't lock your doors neighborhood Mm -hmm. there's this sketchy stalker this unidentified stalker like not in our town not in our neighborhood so they're pissed uh and they also questioned again whether they had actually done the renovations that they claimed they were questioning that they sent these letters and they were trying to just bump up the value for the resale and saying that they didn't actually do the renovations the permitting is a problem yeah i'm <laughs> i'm suspicious of that yeah <laughs> but i'm pretty sure lots of people do work without pulling permits yeah and derek does seem i'm not blaming him for this but he seems like i'm gonna just get it done and what i need to get done kind of guy so right maybe he just thought like it's not a big deal also i mean if they don't know what the renovations were maybe it was something that didn't require a permit probably not the case for a hundred thousand dollars but um <laughs> It's possible. It's Seems possible. for 100000 at least one thing re- would require yeah. a permit, but yeah. who knows? It's a lot of paint. So <laughs> it, that is a lot of paint. Is it young blood paint? Do you know what's in the walls? <laughs> By the way, he hired somebody to uh, use one of those machines on the walls to cool. determine if there was anything in there. Great. And all they found was uh, poor insulation. <laughs> 
makes sense. They're like, what's in there? Not a whole heck of a lot of anything. I gotta be real with you, Derek. <laughs> it wasn't like the haunting in Connecticut movie where they open the walls and it's just dead bodies that are just yeah. all carved up. Like, no. Does, just, does that make good insulation, though? Poor insulation. It probably, it probably does. Yeah. Really? Better than nothing. I don't know. I would think dead bodies would not be great insulation. <laughs> I'm oh. not going to test this theory. I'm not, not going to swap it out. I mean, it would smell. It would definitely smell. Yeah. You would know if there were dead bodies in your walls. What if they were, what if they were like embalmed? Well, think, that would be a whole lot they, of work. I think they were in that movie. Oh, that's very thoughtful. Because it was an old funeral home right. and they embalmed them and then they did necromancy. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it necromancy? Mm-hmm. We digress. <laughs> So the neighbors, spiteful as they were, even went so far as to call out Maria for not caring about her family's safety because she had a public Facebook page with a picture of her kids on it. Which, oh, come on. Come on. First of all, this watcher already knows your kids by name, by birth order. You think their picture on Facebook makes a difference? Like, they already know who you are. Yeah. The police had DNA tested Maria and her DNA didn't match. Okay. The Broadduses felt that the neighbors and the town would rather accuse them of being scam artists than admit that their precious town might not be as safe as they thought. And the neighbors were admittedly concerned about their property value and the stigma on the neighborhood. Again, that's the right, driving that's force behind yep. this. Derek wanted to leave Westfield, but Maria didn't want to uproot the kids. She felt that they had lost enough, so two years after they received the first letter, the Broadduses borrowed money and bought another home in Westfield. They used an LLC so that people wouldn't know the location of the new home, which is super smart. Yeah. The Broadduses still had to do something with 657 Boulevard. The lawsuit against the Woodses was still pending, but unlike a haunting or a murder, this didn't fit the mold of a required disclosure. The Woodses countersued the Broadduses for defamation, and eventually both suits were dismissed in 2017. The judge was like, mm, these are kind of bullshit. Yeah. Yep. In the spring of 2016, 657 Boulevard was put back on the market. But again, every time an interested buyer was showed the letters, they backed out. Derek said one guy said, fuck it, I'll get the house for a discount. But the guy <laughs> read the letters and they never heard from him again. Oh, man. The Broaddus' real estate lawyer had the idea to tear down the house and sell the lot to a developer who could split the property for the development of two homes. They were hoping that they could get about a million dollars for the lot. But in dividing the lot, the Broaddus' needed an exemption from the Westfield Planning Board because the lots needed to be 70 feet for zoning purposes, and the two lots would measure 67.4 feet and 67.6 feet. Oh. The planning board met in January 2017 for a three-hour scheduled hearing, and more than 100 people showed up. Oh, my gosh. One of the neighbors who lived across the street went so far as to hire a lawyer to fight the proposal. Oh, my God. The exemption they were seeking was three feet. They said it was smaller than the easel holding the map, showing even smaller lots than that. Four hours later... Neighbors had spent the time complaining that they didn't want anything to change and they didn't want to look at a driveway or have a house with a front facing garage. Ugh. Ugh. God oh. forbid. Ugh. What an atrocity. <laughs> no one really showed any compassion to the Broadduses or their current predicament. At 11.30 p.m., the board unanimously rejected the proposal. The Broadduses appealed, but it was denied. I mean, the town had absolutely... 
zero sympathy for these people. Yeah, right. Which I get that they're sort of convinced that the Broadduses did this to themselves, but if they had done it for all the reasons they suspected, again, why disclose the letters and lose on every sale? Why would they turn down movie deals? Why would they be willing to take such a loss on the property? Exactly. Basically, no one else would live there knowing about the letters, but the town and neighbors didn't feel bad enough to let the Broadduses basically get out of what they were stuck in. Right. Which is like fucked yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Not long after the meeting, the Broadduses found a family that was willing to rent the home. The family had a clause in the lease that would let them out if another letter showed up. The rent didn't cover the mortgage, but it was better than nothing. But another letter did show up. When Derek went to the house, the renter handed him the letter. This letter, two and a half years after the watcher appeared, came out of nowhere. It was dated February 13th, the day the Broadduses gave depositions in their lawsuit against the Woodses. The letter said, Violent winds and bitter cold. To the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Mm-mm. Telescope. I'm sorry. That's, uh, that, there goes all my hope. <laughs> Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. The letter mentioned the renter and then indicated that revenge could come in many forms. It said, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. (laughs) Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Okay, watcher. Now I'm done with you. You threaten my fucking pets. Get the fuck out Mm -hmm. of here. I'm writing a a letter back to him now. And it's just going to be a skull and crossbones and it says game on. Return to sender. (laughs) Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. You are despised by the house and the watcher won. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'm still convinced it's Michael's alter ego. That one's super dramatic. That's mm-hmm. very dramatic. That one's dramatic. And also, like, what what is your problem? You you won. The house didn't get torn down. What what do you care if there's a renter in the house? Maybe maybe the renter's got young blood coming in with him. You know, does the did the family that rented the house did they have kids? I don't believe that they had kids living with them. I know they had dogs. This is probably what he's oh, mad about. Dog mm. blood is not the same as child blood. <laughs> no. Can't use it for the ritual. It does it's... very different things in the rituals. <laughs> but the other reason that I think that it's still Michael is because that they had sent that fake letter to them, to that family, saying that they were going to tear down the house. And the letter says that he's the house survived your attacks. Yes, it could technically mean the renovations, but the way that it's changed the wording makes me think he's referencing that. So, but or, I think it was years later. 
Yeah. <laughs> or it could it could mean like th- their attempt to like demolish the right. house that just right. went through the town council meeting or whatever Which that ever, was. Oh, everyone, everyone would know about oh, that. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. That's everyone a good point. Know about that. that makes more sense. So I Every- think the watcher was there. Right. Everybody, yeah. there. everybody carried out their plans. All hail the watcher. <sighs> yeah. Maybe it's the mayor of the town. Maybe. That sounds, yeah. Maybe it's the person who hired a lawyer to fight the proposal because they didn't want a front-facing garage. (laughs) So the renter agreed to stay if Derek would put up cameras. Not sure why he took them down in the first place. Yeah. But anyways, he agreed to put them up. Derek brought the new letter to the police again, but they ended up back in a dead end. They narrowed it down to about 10 houses. The house behind the Broadduses that I had mentioned previously with the mm-hmm. lawn chairs yep. belonged to Bill Woodward. One of the Woodward's children had married a man who grew up in 657 Boulevard. Oh. But I think most of these things are just, again, likely coincidences mm. and not enough to go on in a criminal investigation. And I do not know to what extent they actually investigated mm-hmm. them. But those are interesting coincidences. Very interesting. So interesting. <laughs> On Christmas Eve 2017, the people who had been the most vocal against the Broadduses received an anonymous letter in the mail. The letter accused the families of speculating inaccurately and included information about recent domestic terrorism caused by mental illness. The letter was signed, Friends of the Broaddus Family. Derek admitted that he wrote these letters. (laughs) (laughs) I am friends of the family. (laughs) Yes. He said he wasn't proud of it, but he was just at his wit's end. Yeah. This wasn't the best idea for his credibility when everybody already thinks that he sent the original letters, but I I get being at your wit's end and like a screw you. Like, it's not me. Yeah. Somebody fucked up is writing these letters. Did anyone compare the letters? No. Like the handwriting. That, I don't know. That's what's getting me like. But it, it's typewritten. Oh, okay. Oh, I was thinking they were handwritten I letters too. I think the letter I think the writing on the front is handwritten, but okay. the um the actual letters okay. are typewritten. Oh, okay. Smart for the watcher. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it. No, you shut your fucking mouth. That's not it. <laughs> you shut were your mouth and dirty to mouth. Me. <laughs> there were no more letters and the watcher was never apprehended. You're you're kidding. I'm not kidding. You're not what? kidding? Wait, seriously? The Broaddus family finally sold the house on July 2nd, 2019 for $959,000, a loss of Oof. about $400,000. Poor family. Not counting the money they spent on the renovations, yes. the private investigators, and all the taxes that they paid. One final note, Lori, you're going to you're going to heart this so hard. This is a little tidbit that is weird. Again, again, probably super coincidental. Michael Langford died in 2020. His name was actually George Michael Langford when I looked up his obituary. And it said Mike was a voracious reader with a decades long Monday morning routine of walking to the Westfield Library to choose new books to read and return books from the prior week. I'm fucking telling you it was him. Former FBI agent Lenahan had profiled the watcher specifically as a voracious reader. Maybe a common term, but just a little bit weird and coincidental given the family's concern about Michael's involvement. Mm -hmm. 
I'm convinced it was him because it's the only thing that explains, I mean, the, his proximity makes perfect sense. He would have been a kid when that house, the previous owners were there. I think it's very likely he had been in that house at some point. Um, I think he's, I don't know what degree or style of schizophrenia he has. I don't know if it's necessarily right. We had the whole conversation about it's not necessarily split personality. It is that is not schizophrenia. Right. That is dissociative identity disorder. Right. So schizophrenia is when you hear voices. You could have audio and visual hallucinations. Are there styles of schizophrenia? Yeah, maybe I should rephrase <laughs> that. There but I, I do think it's not bad because it is a common misconception that schizophrenics right. have multiple personalities, right. but they don't. There's actually I wish I knew his handle, but there's a kid on TikTok oh, who's maybe right. like nine he's like yeah. nineteen to twenty that mm-hmm. age range and he has schizophrenia and he draws what he sees. Mm. and oh. he says a lot of the things that the faces say to him we've talked about him before we've right? talked yes. about him before um so the hallucinations or whatever he is feeling or seeing i think that combined with a- anyone who's watched a horror movie that's yep. all from that so i'm still pretty convinced it's that i don't think he was a an actual threat to anyone i think that's just what i don't know i, I don't know what motive he had i don't know that he had a motive to do it um but Yeah, I don't know. I think the letters do speak to a mental illness because they're very much about the house being a living, breathing entity. And there's this paranoia involved with it. Right. So I can see the mental illness playing a part. The police ultimately ruled him out, but I think it was more because they had nothing else to go on. I mean, they didn't have sufficient evidence, but... It seems to me that it was directed at the Broadus family. I get that the Woods had this one letter right before they moved out. Seems like it wasn't threatening. It was right. just like a thanks for watching the house. And I don't know if they were sort of teeing up the letters that were about to go out. And I know that there was this other letter that went to 630, right. 633, 633. Anyways, the other house on the boulevard right. But we don't know what it said right. and they threw it out and maybe it was just, maybe it was a mistake and maybe they sent it to both places. I don't know. But yeah. it just seems like it was more directed at the broadest family than it was ever directed at the house because there were no letters previously except that one to the woods and they lived there for 23 right. years. Okay, but how old was Michael? He was 20, 21, right? No, he was in his 60s, I think. No. He was, yeah. Hang on. Wait, I thought his father, oh, Okay. No, he was. He, he was, was in his oh, 60s. I thought he was younger. Though okay. I think he lived with his mother who was in her 90s. 90s. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I was thinking, I was thinking a couple of things that he was younger when the woods were there primarily, and then that's why he didn't do it, but that's not correct. 60s. And then I was thinking that it also is just change. It's significant change after a long time, so that could have just kicked something off. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was less about, that's probably why it was more about the house than the people. And then it turned into the people. I don't know. I, I'm still sticking to that theory. I am infuriated that that's the, that's it. I'm sorry. The watcher is at large. No, no, he's dead. <laughs> that's what I'm choosing to believe. And he's Jersey, actually not here. <laughs> he's actually dropping a letter in your mailbox right now. I did enjoy everyone being like, why didn't they put a camera on the mailbox? And it's like, all you would see is the postman delivering the (laughs) letter because they were sent through the mail. Like they weren't dropping them in the mailbox, but so sorry. Yeah. So sorry. This one was a spooky one. I definitely creeped myself out just researching it at night. I would get up 
to yeah. go to the bathroom and I would close the curtains in my bathroom and I would <laughs> not look outside because I just pictured someone standing in the middle of my lawn looking into well, my window. Yeah, that's what makes this creepy. And, and you started off with this does hit both of the things I hate, which is someone coming into just happening to come into your life and ruining it. And then also just creepy people watching and staring and right outside your windows. And I don't like either of those things. But it is I mean, when you think about the Broadduses, assuming it's not them, their lives are ruined. They're they it sounds like they didn't have enough money, really to have that house in the first place. And now they just lost half a million dollars on it. Right. Or they did, they did have the money for that house, right, right. but not that house and another yeah. house Fair. and the Fair. rent, like that's yeah. just too much. And yeah. again, I still, I still don't think it could be them because I, I, I didn't pull their psych records, but I mean, there was indication that Maria had PTSD and they were on medications and stuff. Mm-hmm. If they were doing it to themselves, they wouldn't be that distressed. I mean, you would right. yeah. you'd really be faking it hard at that point. You can make a case no matter what you could say that, oh, well, they were just doing that to prove exactly that thinking. But you could say that anytime. Yep. And I don't think it was broadcast that they were on medications no, and right. that she had PTSD. <laughs> no. Like that was very personal. Right. Yeah. And that article wasn't released until 2018. Mm-hmm. So that sucks that they have like, especially because a lot of people are going to watch that Netflix show. Assume I'm now I'm going to go watch that and see how off it is. Yeah. But I have to finish it. People will associate it with the Broadduses. And if it's really wrong, I'm, I'm interested in that. But either way, that's really unfortunate. They just want to probably forget about this and move on with yep. their lives. Um, so that's unfortunate. And the people that currently live at 657 oh. Boulevard and the people that live on Boulevard in general are pissed about the new series because they just have... Yeah hordes of people driving through and it's not even the house like it has nothing to do with the house it's not like the amityville horror yeah it's not like the haunting in connecticut like it's nothing about the house like there's nothing connected to it i guess just go on google maps like you can see look at it what i'm doing right now (laughs) yeah you can see the. it's a beautiful house like it's a beautiful area like you can see the house but wow that is a gorgeous house yeah actually going to the house i think there's like a virtual tour too because it was listed mm-hmm. relatively recently but as soon as you type in 657 it's literally the yeah. first address yeah. that yeah, pops up of course it is especially because the netflix series just mm-hmm. came out but um i will side with the neighbors on the division of the property though i would be pissed if somebody took that and put two houses on it but there were other lots in the neighborhood that were even smaller but not right there Mm. I don't know. It was three feet. It was three feet. Yeah, but not what they had. That's the zoning, not what they act, not what the other houses are. I bet the other houses are like right in that area are pretty spread out. I would be pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Laura's the one that hires a lawyer (laughs) to fight the division because a front facing garage. Ugh. You know what's (laughs) funny is it has a garage, front facing garage, like standalone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really pretty house, though, but you couldn't pay me $1.4 million to live there. You could pay me $1.4 million to live there. Watch <laughs> nope. If you're out there, I'll hang with you. Nope. Nope. But I'm well, going to respond to your letters. They will not go. <laughs> they will not go unresponded to. Skull and crossbones coming your way. I'm just going to put them in the mailbox because if they're watching me, then they'll know that I put a letter in the mailbox for them. You're watching the watcher watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those who were drinking shots every time we said watcher, That's how it. you doing? Is that the bottom of the, the bottle? Is the bottle gone? Well, yeah, that if, was the last sip in the bottle. If you guys are enjoying listening to Grim, I'm not. 
Please rate and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you don't miss any episodes. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, make our day by leaving us a written review. You can find our page on Facebook by searching Grim colon a true crime podcast. If you want to subscribe to our Patreon, you can go to Patreon and search Grim a true crime podcast. We will actually be recording our first bonus episode after this episode, and I already have the research teed up for the next one. So if you want access to those, you have to subscribe to our Patreon. Follow us on Instagram at Grim Crime Podcast for information on future episodes and case photos. If you want to send us a case suggestion or just say hi, you can email us at grimcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Listen, learn, and stay alive until next time because the future is grim.